Leo Tolstoy found meaning among the peasants of his day. Dallas Willard says, there aren't any peasants around anymore. If you want to know what that means, listen to this. The mantle of intellectual meaninglessness shrouds every aspect of our common life. Events, things, and information, in scare quotes, flood over us, overwhelming us, disorienting us with threats and possibilities we, for the most part, have no idea what to do about. Commercials, catchwords, political slogans, and high-flying intellectual rumors clutter our mental and spiritual space. So that's the beginning of uh, the section for today, and I have, on that occasion, worn my most billboardy t-shirt, Fish and Chips, which used to be one of my son's favorite t-shirts that I have, because I guess he liked the fact that there was a dead fish on it, and very few of my shirts look like the sort of things that he would wear, although I don't, maybe he didn't know it was dead. He doesn't exactly wear shirts with dead fish on them. Welcome to the Sanctus Forum. I am Michael Stewart Robb, and we're doing the conspiracy commentaries here. We are in the first chapter of Dallas Willard's The Divine Conspiracy, and as you will notice, our book cam is in a different spot now, so um, get to see a different angle. Whoopee! And um, next. The next episode that you'll see will be a special episode in which I'll have a guest. Um, Aaron Preston will be with me. He helped uh, write a book um, for Dallas Willard, not exactly with him, on the disappearance of moral knowledge. He is a philosopher in uh, the United States, and uh, he's going to help us talk about these 11 pages and what Dallas is doing in those things. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a longer, like six times as long episode. So you may want to switch over to the podcast and let it just run while you're doing something else. Now, today's section is one of my favorites, actually. Um, I've learned a lot from it. I remember when I was young and read this and realized how soaked in advertising our world was. Just just drenched with advertising. And I was in America at the time, and there it's even even more dominant than in Europe and than in other parts of the world. But um, you just kind of got used to it. Um, and you didn't really understand what it meant and what it meant for the sort of person you were becoming. Uh, Dallas has this wonderful phrase. I just want to call your attention to it. Wall-to-wall noise. He says we are, we are immersed in birth-to-death and wall-to-wall noise. And he said that in a day when there was no internet. Well, there was internet, but you didn't really need it. And there was no, there were no phones. Well, there were phones, but there weren't any smartphones with pictures on them. And and there was no social media. 
And more importantly, there was no social media marketing and advertising. And I think it's interesting in his day is that other than billboards, which you would see by driving down the street or kind of uh, maybe advertisements, uh, signs for stores, which you would see, um, you could really avoid advertising. You didn't have to read magazines. You didn't have to watch TV. But now you kind of have to use the internet and you kind of have to use your phone and some of these products, um, digital products that is, they're just, it's hard to get away from the advertising. I think for me, the sort of real, realization that people were willing to wear advertisements for whatever, you know, even for the clothing store that they, that they bought their clothing at, which is, which is kind of bizarre. And, and I, and I guess I understand some of it from the perspective of the business owners who want to sort of help other people find their products. But we we're just, we're just covered in this stuff. And um, it makes you wonder how anybody ever bought and sold anything before we had advertising and advertising everywhere we look, advertising in our homes. Um, now, I'm going to kind of skip over a little bit of this bit about um, if you, you're, not, you, you're not familiar with America, um, he's going to talk about hot dogs. And this is from Oscar Mayer Wiener's um, Hot Dogs. Uh, yeah. Don't worry about it, it's about hot dogs. What I do wanna talk about here is he's gonna go through a bunch of slogans which were important in the 1990s, at least in America, things that were supposed to be profound, but Dallas is gonna analyze them and uh, point out that they're not exactly as profound as they sound, at least on the first hearing, if you look deeper. And I do wonder what sort of slogans we have today. In fact, I would love to hear, I couldn't think of anything just off uh, the top of my head when I was preparing for this video, but if you've got one to write in the comments, let me know. But the one I do wanna talk about is this one, stand up for your rights. Because in a sense, that's gone beyond the level of just being a slogan um, to the point of really being serious moral truth for us. And it is interesting that we now have a world in which everybody should stand up for their rights, but we have very few people, uh, maybe increasingly less people, standing up for their responsibilities. So those kind of two things go together. I mean, somebody's gonna have to grant those rights that you're standing up for, which means that that's gonna be their responsibility to make sure that that happens. And we have a whole lot more people standing up for their rights than we do for their responsibilities. So the balance doesn't seem to be quite in order. And perhaps your responsibilities are more important than your rights. Now, actually, in some areas, I think we do see people standing up for responsibilities. Um, and the main area that I think of is in, is in environmental things, where we see people changing their lifestyle, maybe by reducing plastics or 
changing the way they use energy or the way that they travel or whatever because they're concerned about their responsibility for um, the environment, which is good. But in other areas um, with children and in families with um, spouses and relationships, don't see a big push to stand up for your responsibilities there. And economically, um, our responsibility uh, to pay taxes um, it is kind of a thing and uh, to save um, to stay out of debt as much as possible um, and our responsibilities to give there are some organizations I'll give the church as an example who are set up in a way that they depend um, on giving they don't have products that they sell they, they depend on giving and so we have responsibility to to give in order for these institutions to survive. Church isn't the only one, but there are, there are others. And then the stand up for your rights doesn't has kind of moved out of the philosophical realm and it really has come to mean stand up for your demands, which is a real strange twist. Uh, you know, if you want something, the sort of assumption is you should stand up for it. Um, and that would really be, you know, all you needed in order to make it a worthy cause is that you, you wanted it. And now you're going to put yourself out there for it. Well, um, Dallas has brought us to the end of 11 pages of just talking about our world. He doesn't paint the prettiest of pictures. Thanks for liking uh, this. Do like it with your finger um, and subscribing um, if you like this sort of thing. And head over to sanctus.institute to sign up for our almost monthly newsletter. I think it's almost time that I write one. So see you then.